Why is Hollywood afraid of musicals? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, and more. I'm your host, DJ Woldridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Good morning, Roxy. Good morning, DJ. Yes. The th- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. We've done a bunch of these shows. You got to try things sometimes, you know? Yeah, that's, that's my new thing now. To <laughs> land well. Good morning, DJ. I would suggest trying other things. But, okay, you know, yeah. you know the, the just to see what the kids respond to. Yes, yes. And yes, speaking yes. of the kids, today we are going to be talking about, oh my God, I forgot to pull something. I wanted to pull up Mean Girls box office because today... We're talking about musicals. This is something Roxy and I were talking about um, uh, when Mean Girls was coming out. Uh, and obviously it came out a couple of weeks ago. But now we get to talk about how it is doing. Uh, it seems to be doing well with the asterisk of its January. Uh, and so, you know, what Jan- well for January. Um, so, uh, but we're going to be talking about musicals and why Hollywood seems to be afraid of them. Or at least letting you know the movie you're about to see is a musical. Don't tell them it's a secret. But before we do any of that, we're going to be talking about uh, a little business up top. As always, if you want to watch this show early, ad-free, Patreon-exclusive shows like what we're into in Spider-Versity, you can do that over at patreon.com slash answers. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we appreciate it. It means the the world to us. And also, on Spotify every week, we ask a question. Last week's question is, what is your favorite Disney plus Marvel TV show so far? Bookworm says, I haven't watched any of them. Living Vicarious through you and fanfic. You mentioned you hadn't seen anything about Percy series. What's funny is that I've been seeing a ton about the show. Uh, and so for fans of Percy Jackson, good. I, good. I hope, I heard, I've, what little I've heard about it, I've heard it's good. And I want you all to be getting the adaption you want and deserve. Because I guess the movie wasn't that. So good. The, I'm glad in certain circles, I just, you know. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I just feel like the streamers should be doing a better job of letting people know what's on them. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, we talked about it already, but even like this morning, my Grammy called me and she was like, I saw you recommending shows. Mm-hmm. And I, and like in it, I would be like, Ted on Peacock or whatever. Yeah. She was like, I don't even know what your those places are. Where yeah. are they? Are they in the Netflix? And I'm mm-hmm. like, it, it's confusing for us to find things and we came up in a generation that's finding these things on yeah. it. like imagine being in an older generation attempting to look for a show yeah yeah it's tricky it's tricky and it's one of those that like i guess back in the day but how do the people i guess they had tv guide right what we need is like a modern tv guide because you'd get like a billion channels with cable and how would you know yeah, but not really, DJ. Back in the day, you wouldn't get a billion channels. Well, there's a different back in the day between oh, yeah, yeah. your grandma's back in the day uh, and like when you and I were kids, or our, or even our parents back in the day. But by the time that by the time that there was that many channels, there was the search bar that you could type in. Yeah, yeah, but but again, you can search for stuff now. So. There was a way, and maybe it was just as simple as ads. All the ne- the platforms uh, on my Roku TV. You can on my on my Roku. I can too. Not on theirs. I'm gonna yeah, and I'm gonna recommend an app to everybody called Just Watch, 
which you can go in and say like, hey, is my wife and I just watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Junior. And I was like, Junior. And it's like, hey, here's the plat. Guess what? It's not streaming anywhere. But you can rent it <laughs> on Amazon or Apple TV. Or I guess YouTube. If you rent stuff on YouTube, uh, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like all the time I have to Google yeah. where where the hell I can watch something, rent something, especially with the with movies now too. And DJ, I don't know if this happens to you, even with my Roku, uh, oftentimes I'll say to it what I want to watch and it will say no search found. Like that's what happened with Ted. And I was like, is it because so Ted's the name of a person? So mm. it's like looking, it doesn't know what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's and tricky. To- I'll also say Peacock has lied to me multiple times of where like I'll Roku, I'll be like, what's this? And they're like on Peacock. And then they click it and it's like, actually it's not on Peacock. And this is why did you tell me who, whose fault is this? Who said this was on Peacock and it's not on Peacock. (laughs) Peacock be peacocking. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, or maybe it's also like back in the day with ads, you would see commercials for things and be on this channel on your local network. But I got to tell you, I know people we've, we talked about this briefly last week. People are very like, Oh, streaming was a mistake. And I, if I have the option, I will never go back to ads. I, I do not miss ads. Yeah, I have ads on a couple of my platform and it's rough, including Peacock. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, Roxy. I do have ads on Peacock. Um, what else? I don't think I have ads on – typically, I've gotten to the place where if you have a non-ad option, that is what I'm poning up for because – it's just I don't I don't like the ads. Don't I get the whatever the thirty seconds you have to watch on YouTube videos before you yeah. can sk- skip ad, and then I, and then I guess Peacock are the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a girlfriend right now who's the star of a secret commercial, the deodorant, okay. and it hits it's a, her, her commercial day. secret. Shh, we can't talk about it. <laughs> it's a. Uh, ran for the Emmys. It's run for so much football. She, it's she's absolutely crushing it right now. I'm so stoked for her. But every time it plays, I will pause it and record it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My, my algorithm has started to pick that up. Mm-hmm. So now they keep sending me all this stuff for like body odor. Yeah. So every single ad that I see across all these platforms is like all of these now like deodorant or body wash or whatever it is i'm like no no i'm not trying to tell you guys i need any of this Mm -hmm. stop sending me only body smelling ass yeah the algorithm that that stuff is weird because like um you know uh, i guess because my wife and i share a household it'll send me ads because we're in the same yeah like i'll get spanish language ads i'm like you're this is you're the wrong person i'm the wrong person (laughs) you got the wrong person in this house it's wild. It's wild. And and then there's also the like, you know, well, you know, back in the day, there was more money in the industry because of ads. It's like, I don't think that's the reason there's not money. I think, I think, I think it's fuckery. I think, I think there's plenty of money in streaming or at least enough money in streaming. It's just going to the wrong people, in my opinion, the wrong people. Um, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. There's still product placement. Like, I, what was it? I was watching um, The Color Purple and there was, coca-cola place product placement i'm mm-hmm. like like they're ever yeah. not less money somebody's now. making money <laughs> somebody's yeah. making money it's just the wrong people um anyway we don't need to get off on that what we do need to get off on speaking of money uh roxy and i are poor people and but we also want to make movies and movies cost money and this mm. was all my runway to say that uh you should go to gunplaymovie.com and 
click the notify me on launch link because the launch is coming uh, very, very, very soon. So stay tuned for that announcement of when the campaign is launching. Um, and you're gonna, but to to know to know the day it launches, and you're gonna want to know the day it launches because this is a thing that I have announced. We've got our flash funding goal for people that aren't familiar from my previous campaigns. The first couple days of any campaign are the most important. Uh, some would argue at least at least uh, one of the most important days. And so um, to uh, get butts in the seats on those days, you we have something called a flash funding goal where if we reach a certain percentage of our goal in the first couple of days, you guys get something extra. And in this case, that something extra is what I'm calling gunplay radio. So uh, Roxy, uh, say hi to the kids, Roxy. Hello, kids. This, I'm Roxy. This very Roxy uh, plays a character named Josie that is a rideshare driver, which means she's driving around a bunch. Um, and if you guys have ever played GTA or watched Reservoir Dogs with K. Billy Super Sound of the 70s, um, you are familiar with media that has media within media. So so like fake radio shows that the characters listen to. We're going to have some of that as, as Roxy is driving around as a rideshare driver. And I thought it'd be really cool to include some of our incredibly talented friends as these color radio show hosts so we got people like jay washington mark ellis jess lucero and danny fernandez playing different uh the hosts of these different shows that roxy's character listens to as she drives and if we want to unlock that you're going to need to show up on day one to help us reach our flash funding goal so go to gunplaymovie.com click on the notify me on launch link and stay tuned for uh a launch date coming very soon uh, i'm going to be announcing the the launch of the kickstarter very soon so stay tuned for all of that, Roxy, before we move on, move on from yeah. that, did you have anything you wanted to add? Well, I also just want to tell them why it's important to hit click launch now or hit notify me at launch because it helps with the algorithm so that even right now, if you're like, well, I'm not, I, I listen to the show, I'm going to know when they launch. Yeah. It's helpful to us that you just click that button so that it pushes us up in the algorithm so that more people who maybe don't watch the show will know when we do launch. Absolutely. So it's that one-two punch. Yeah, to Roxy's point, like if you were to go to Kickstarter right now and look up movies, um, uh, you know, and, and stuff that's that's about to launch, uh, more people in the notify me to launch and our followers helps us be higher on that page. So she's absolutely correct. Please go do that. We will mention it again at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, uh-oh, it's news time. Whoa. Whoa, everybody. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Uh, <laughs> let's, start with, let's start with the Emmys uh, because I was talking to Roxy before uh, the show started that I was like, wait, didn't we just – like I – I didn't. Re I thought I was seeing like uh, uh, red carpet photos, and I thought they were from the Golden Globes. I was like, "Wait, we just did it. We did the award shows back to back. What happened?" Um, I heard this went better than the Golden Globes did. Is that correct, Rock? It did definitely go better than Golden Globes. It was a really, really well done 
good award show. I was stoked about it because you know I love the Emmys. The Emmys are my favorite award show of the year. I love award shows in general. I know that's not a popular opinion these days. No. Um, but I do. And it's my it's my favorite one. They did a, a really good job with it. There was a couple things that I would have done differently. But overall, I thought that it was really it was great. I thought that they picked really strong winners. I thought the speeches were excellent. I thought they kept the trains on the track. I thought that it was really cool because it was the 75th Emmys that we had. Cool. All of those all of those uh, previous shows that came and presented. So, you know, the cast of Martin or um, Grey's Anatomy or there was, I mean, dozens of our favorite shows. Uh, Always Sunny. Yeah. Fun fact with Grey's Anatomy is that show's been on the 75 years that the Emmys have been going on. They won won an award at the first Emmys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they really did. Uh, They they won 75 years ago. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. Catherine Heigl looking really good for a 75 group. But it was cool, actually, to see the cast back together because even though we are on, like, the 15th season, Ellen Pompeo and Catherine Heigl were holding hands, and, and you know that there was huge drama with Catherine Heigl leaving the show and yeah. I haven't seen the two of them together like that. So it was, it was, it was cool for a lot of different fandoms to be able to watch this. I thought that it was uh, Ally McBeal, you know, they really, yeah. there was like a whole variety. It wasn't just sitcoms. It was, it was, uh, uh, we're hearing theme music play throughout the entire Emmys and they, it was a great homage to so many shows, all of which I have seen. So, <laughs> So every one of these. the other thing that confused me, so this, the reason this is happening now is because it was delayed because of the strikes. Um, yeah. And so that means that when I'm looking at here, like at the top of the list, um, AO at won for the bear. She's winning for the first season of the bear is my yes. understanding. Yeah. So uh, everything, not only did IO win, but also uh, the Evan Moss won for the bear and so did Jeremy Allen White for The Bear, and The Bear won for Best Comedy Series as well. And that was all for season one because they haven't been nominated in the Emmys yet. So the Emmys typically take place in September, and the the strike was going on, so they wouldn't have been able to have writers for the award show. Yeah, We know how important writers are for award show, despite what Joe Coy right? <laughs> so they wouldn't have been able to have writers, and also the actors wouldn't have been able to be in attendance Uh, because it would have been, I believe, a a SAG production. So, and the same with the writers because WGA. So it just didn't make sense to have it happen then. Honestly, though, DJ, it's it's very strange now because if you think about, we talked earlier in the episode about throwing it back to our parents' generation, grandparents' generation. Over the 75 years of the Emmys, if you think about how television used to work, I don't know uh, if everybody... Can, can picture a time when even 10 years ago when you're watching tv you are watching a show it starts in september mm-hmm. and it ends in may yeah and that is how the cycle of shows ran yeah and then the emmys in september kind of wrapping up like okay that was last year now we're moving into these new shows yeah that's not the way television works anymore mm-hmm. and i honestly felt like january kind of feels like a better time for the emmys yeah because a lot of shows, the cycle, it, it's easier to think of, okay, these are shows from 2023 nominated in 2024, as opposed to that was a show from 2022. And of course, that one's because of the strike. But even without the strike, now so many shows, they they don't run for a couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the cycles are all so different. A lot of them are on in January. There's a lot of summer shows now where they didn't used to be. Yeah. Well, I do kind of feel like maybe the Emmy should look at this Unfortunately, it was the lowest performing Emmys 
and they, they bombed yeah. um, in terms of viewership. Yeah. But I, I don't know. January kind of makes sense. It was in awards season now, right? We had the Golden Globes with the Critics' Choice Awards that weekend as well. It did feel a little crowded. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, January makes more sense to me for what television is now. Listen, I don't mind if the Emmys go to Golden Globes lunch. We could just kick the Golden Globes out and have the Emmys replace it. I'm fine with that. Here's something I do want to, because uh, I'm just looking over the winners. Uh, and of course, a lot of these are, you know, not necessarily surprising and also I think uh, well-deserved. But I did land on Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. And I love Jennifer Coolidge and I love her in The White Lotus. Didn't she win for the previous White Lotus the season, previous season of White Lotus? I think so. I think we could have given this to Rhea Seahorn for Better Call Saul. I'm going to throw that one out there. I think she. I think she's more than earned that. Anybody that's watched that show, she's done really good work, and it bums me because I, I. That was a lot of the headlines I saw. Like, did you know that Better Call Saul is now the most losing Emmys? Like, that's a. That, it was a bummer because that's a really yeah. good show. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else, DJ, on that one. Um, I, this is my new stance on nominations because yeah. I don't disagree with you. Uh. Jennifer Coolidge is obviously extremely popular. She's fantastic. No, no, I don't want to knock her. I was just saying she's already got one on her. She's already got one on her shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but did you? Spoiler alert! Brief spoilers for the uh, that season of White Lotus. Did you watch it, DJ? I did. So spoilers to anybody else. Fast forward ten seconds. Uh, it's obviously her last opportunity to be nominated for the show. So yeah. it was her final season of it. So but like, it's yeah. also Better Call Saul is over. So it's also Rhea Seahorn's last chance to. Yeah, not talking about her. I'm just yeah. talking about why I think they gave it to Jennifer. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, and everybody, it was one of the most popular opinions afterwards, DJ, because she never won Rhea Seahorn. Yeah. And um, I think people thought she should have won last year. This year, it's but, like the Americans. It's one of those like not one. Yeah. You guys couldn't pony up one. <laughs> no, now Carrie Russell's being was nominated for a Diplomat. I actually was so excited about that, but I'm like, you guys really slept on the Americans. If you think the Diplomat is anywhere close to as good, I like the show a lot. But yeah. It's like this is crazy. Anyway, though, this is my new my new stance on award show nominations for television. This isn't necessarily how I feel about movies, but this is how I feel about TV. Yeah. Because I watch 115 shows a year, I'm going for 120 this year, which means I need to complete 10 shows a month. Okay. I have like just so much TV watching that it is I saw every show nominated for an Emmy DJ. Yeah. I've seen every show, yeah. every performance. I saw every single one of them and they're all so good. When I used to watch less things, my I would have such a strong opinion on who should win. Yeah. And now I'm like, every person nominated is really effing good. Flip a coin. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't ever sit here and say Jennifer Coolidge doesn't deserve to win. I can't say she deserves to win over any of the other people, even including, um, I think, in the same category, Aubrey Plaza was nominated. And I'm like, no. I, I, I don't know between the two of them who I think was better in the show. I, yeah. I don't know. Great, 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 great. Yeah. So it's so rare now that I get mad at a nomination uh, or mad at a winner because I'm just like, you're all effing fantastic. And it seems like it's a campaign money popularity contest most of the time. So mm -hmm. being nominated is like as good as winning in terms of my eyes of how good you are. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's not how it feels for the actors. And I feel bad for her because that sucks. That, mm -hmm. that sucks. But in general, I'm kind of just like, at that point, it's a crapshoot. You were nominated. That's unreal. You're all equally 
really stellarly talented humans. Yeah. Let's give them a run up, runner up medal or something. Let's give them a, um, uh, speaking of shows, uh, that's a weak segue, but Hey, listen, so, uh, this is coming via polygon who is referencing a streamer called nerd incorrects, uh, uh, their Twitch game show code names live. God, I don't know what any of that shit means. Sorry, everybody. But anyway, Tatiana Maslany was on this uh, Twitch show apparently. And she was asked about, uh, she, she was asked, should we hope for a season two of she Hulk? And she said, I don't think so. I think we blew our budget and Disney was like, no thanks. And by the way, I should have brought this up. I, I tweeted something out. I think the budget for She-Hulk, it, Roxy and I are on the record. We both really like She-Hulk. I would argue that I think it's my favorite thing they've done since Endgame. Yeah. And yes, that is including No Way Home. Um, so big fan. However, I will say this, that I did the retweet. Yeah, so the budget for season one of She-Hulk is $225 million. And just for concept, when I saw that number, I had to like, because I don't, at that point, the number's so big, what the fuck does that even mean? So I looked up what I'm going to look up right now, which was Game of Thrones last season budget. Because <laughs> I have to imagine, if any if any show's budget is higher than the last season of Game of Thrones, they spent too much money. Um, and so uh, by the final How season... How much was Game of Thrones? What was the... Apparently, by the final season, the production budget per episode... Oh wait, wait, wait! Uh, the sixth season budget was over ten million per episode for a season total of a hundred million. So the final season of Game of Thrones, ten episodes, was a hundred million. She Hulk's, I think, eight episodes apparently was uh, two hundred twenty-five million, and that just means that like that's that's not, in my opinion, that's not fucking She Hulk's fault. That's like some yeah. that's fuckery right there. Like that's fucking that's basically you're you're basically laundering money at that point. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah. mean, that's absolutely crazy. Like when you actually picture the show, it's a, it's it's kind of a workplace comedy. Yes, that spends some time on an island. Yeah, but it, it for the most part, this should have a similar budget to. Uh, we just mentioned Ally McBeal, but that's yeah. the show that I compare the show, show and, to a lot. And people will say like, but, "Well, but the, there's a CG character." CG, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, "True." However. So say it, we budget for two hundred twenty-five million. That right. should have been flawless. <laughs> say we budget in an extra ten million for yeah. that, an extra twenty million for mm -hmm. that. Uh, so you're telling me that the show, other than that, was two hundred million, no. and then the twenty-five million. So, I mean, that's just. And you and I just, both know the CG, the SF, the special effects artists are not seeing the no. chunk of that money. <laughs> No, it would be unbelievable one of these days if we're like, wow, the show is two hundred twenty-five million. But all the staff came out and was like, yeah, and we got every penny of that. I would be like, that'd oh, be great. Yes, word. yes. <laughs> like, okay, I thought it was a lot of money, but hey, you yeah. got paid for working crazy overtime. Uh, that's awesome. Stoked that Disney did that. But this is like, where is the money going? Yes, where's it going? That's wild. Uh, I saw this morning that they're saying that they're is still hope that there could be a sure. shield season two. I think that it was too expensive. And also this is the audience that the MCU has cultivated mm -hmm. and they are now having to live in that hole that they've dug Yeah, where that some of the audience like me and you DJ loved this show. Yeah. Some of the audience like, our friend Christian mm -hmm. didn't like this show, but didn't like it because it just wasn't for him. Yeah. And some of the audience 
doesn't like this show because it's centered around a woman. That's just the fact of what it is. And yeah. then they're and then they are saying that they're not liking it because it's evil and there's twerking and that's bad for kids or who who, who the hell knows. Oh, yeah. So the first category, the me and you, great. The second category, the Christians just wasn't for them. Great. Yeah. Shows are either for you or not for you. The third category that is sitting there still seething mm-hmm. about the fact that this show ever happened is is a problem for Marvel. Yeah. Because those people have an STFU'd yeah. and they still go and go and they are the loudest voice. Yeah. And I think that that is, uh, Disney sometimes listens to that and hears that. And uh, Rose from uh, The Last Jedi being in one yeah. scene in whatever the th- third movie was. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. I mean, that's a great example. Like, I think that if, the audience hadn't been so effing horrible to her, very likely they would have included her more. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I would argue, and I've been on, I do not, you're talking about Rose? Yes. It was Rose Tycho, right? I think it's the character. I do not particularly like The Last Jedi. Um, uh, however, I thought Rose was like, like one of the best parts of it. Like I really liked Rose. I was like, like Kelly Marie Tran is very talented. She's great. Very endearing. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was one of the few people uh, that I think the movies could have used more of that was just a per- was just a person. Wasn't a former stormtrooper. Wasn't the chosen one. Wasn't it just just a dude living in the the this universe? And it's like that. I I respond to that more of that, please. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think you're you're right. I think we discussed a little bit the, the, before the show went on the air about like what would be helpful in this situation is we knew what numbers shows did on streamers that would help yeah. quantify stuff. And again, I think. You and I liking it and then somebody like Christian saying it's just not for them is fine, except if your show costs $225 million. And so I think a problem with this and with Echo is what we've been hearing is like Marvel will shoot a show and then reshoot their show. And so like for eight episodes, you're getting you're spending like two seasons worth of money on like five to eight episodes. And it's like that's. A, a fucking problem that's you're doing it wrong you're doing tv shows novel wrong concept yes novel concept what if we spent longer in pre-production yeah <laughs> so we didn't have to reshoot every show yeah and we know we heard all these rumors that these shows that were coming out were gonna were under a tight timeline that they mm-hmm. were rushed because disney plus needs the content it's not like Netflix right now that's just pumping out things and they always have backups. And honestly, Netflix didn't even really feel the strike as much because they're like, oh, we have like 20 shows yeah. on backlog right now that we're just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. We go through them. We know how to do it. And they're also we, like, what if we had a show where girl goes Paris? Yes. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Emily in Paris started filming their season four, by the way. So good, good reference today, DJ. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I I think that because of that, they're spending more money as opposed to just like, I, 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 this is such an effed up comment because I loved She-Hulk. Yeah. But for some, clearly because they had to, you know, the two starting episodes were supposed to be later on and they had to reshoot all this stuff to get to what I loved or sometimes in other shows to get to what I didn't like so much. Did you guys storyboard? Like I genuinely am curious. I don't, and I'm not saying that like they didn't storyboard. Did you like, did, did, did somebody sit down 
and storyboard and like do a, a show Bible yeah. and, and figure out like, okay, so the right amount of episodes for this show is eight, which means that by our midpoint, we need to be at this place by our end. We want to be here. So let's figure out our character arcs and let's place yeah. everything that like, I, I'm just talking about obviously basic television making. Are they doing that? It seems like what we're hearing, this seems like from the reports that they're like, actively working against that concept it feels like you know they kind of improvised uh their way through iron man and that worked for them and it was like well let's just do that for every movie then and and they somehow they were able to get that to work enough i'm work enough is, is over, underselling it get it to work for but that was when it was just like two to three movies a year and and um uh now it's like we've got the tv shows and we've got the multiverse and we've got characters that are even less marquee names than iron man and thor were prior to that um it, it, here's my question i think that did they story that's a, a wonderful question here's my question going comparing the the budget from she hulk to lord of the rings do we think she hulk as she hulk like hulked out is in that show more than the dragons are in the final season of game of thrones Keep in mind, one of multiple of those episodes were big battle episodes. It shouldn't be more. It shouldn't be more than the final season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, very obviously not. Um, and but I'm thinking, okay, it's also the Hulk for a, a few of them. Yeah, we had to part, uh, pony but, up Mark Ruffalo money, but not. He wasn't in it that much. We got yeah. We had to do Mark Ruffalo money. We had to do. Uh, Daredevil money, and we had to do Mega Stallion money. Yeah, that was that's it. No, I mean, I if you ask me the budget of the show afterwards, if you're not saying what should the budget of the show be, be if you ask me watching that show, what do you think the budget of the show was? Yeah, I would have said that I thought it was a fifty million dollar budget. Yeah, and and I, I've been, I would have thought that was a lot for it. And I'm I'm actually you know a lot of people are like oh the CGI was so bad. For a TV show, like if She-Hulk looked like that, if she if She-Hulk showed up on on Agents of Shield, and she looked like that, I'd be like, yeah, that looks that for a TV budget, that looks pretty pretty good. But then when you say two hundred twenty five, I'm like, oh, okay, so now we'll time out. Then hold on it's a second. That's a movie budget. <laughs> yeah, so you know maybe uh, I don't know, but um, so I I I do think I I and I think we should probably do an episode on this of like what we what we think because that's what matters what we think uh marvel should be doing to kind of right the ship but i i will say i think part of it is i think they need to get some like real tv people if you're going to do shows you need to get some real tv yeah. people in there and i think you need to say like listen all this stuff is interconnected but the TV stuff is more interconnected with the other TV stuff, and the movie stuff is more connected with the movies. You know, you need to create different because because the other thing you mentioned this for the Emmys, and it's something that bothers me. I kind of hate. It's one thing for like season seven and eight of like Game of Thrones that you need to wait a couple years because this show has been building this moment for a while. I kind of hate that. Like most shows, that it's like, well, I guess I'll have to wait two years to see how this plays out. Like I miss getting show, shorter episode counts. I'm down for that. I hate that. Like almost every show I have to wait more than a year to see the next season. 
I agree, especially for the interconnected shows. Like, obviously, we're going to talk later on about True Detective, which is back after five years. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but I don't have, you're not requesting that I remember anything from It's a whole years. new story. A, right. Same thing with Fargo, right? Yeah. Like, same thing with American Horror Story. Same thing with any of these shows that are anthology series that are like, new place, new story. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Fine. Come out when you want to come out. Black Mirror, come out when you want to come out. I'll yeah. watch whenever you want to come out. But these shows that, Require you to remember what happened yeah. that are taking years between feel the same way about movies like Aquaman waiting five years. Yeah. Uh, th- that, I mean, and obviously you don't like, it's not like crazy important that you remember every detail of the first Aquaman, yeah. but especially with the shows, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. You're asking that I re-binge your show. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember what happened on Stranger Things three years later. I'm not going to. Yeah. So, so please. Well, and those kids. That. This is less relevant because I know Stranger Things is wrapping up, but like those kids aren't getting any younger. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, um, so anyway, I hope I hope these stream platforms figure their their shit out. And again, as Roxy pointed out very aptly, I think we'd be much more forgiving of that budget if we really felt like it was going to the crew and the actors and the people making the show but i just have a sneaking suspicion if we if we really parsed out that budget we'd be surprised where large chunks of it are going where do you think dj honestly though like i know that i'm asking you to do something that you you're not capable of doing neither am i which is telling me where the money is going yeah but what did why was this show 225 did that all go to reshoots did that all go to execs like what seriously what where's that money going i think large chunks that are going to reshoots and not not planning this stuff out ahead enough i but i also think i uh i heard a story of a story of a story so it's it's a it's probably apocryphal or whatever but the, the way the anecdote goes is like, I think it was like John Cleese or something. Some some more established actor was talking to a producer and they're like, why are movie budgets like so high right now? Uh, and because it, it's, and, and the producer said, it's like, oh, because it's easier to steal a million dollars from a hundred million dollar budget movie than it is from a million dollar budget movie. That's uh, what it feels like. <laughs> That's honestly what it feels like, DJ, yeah. because I just, I, it's unfathomable to me. Like, it's just crazy. The fact that, and I'm not saying that it looked like a million, millions of dollars, but the fact that I was just in a movie that was a five figure budget. Yeah. So like you can make a movie for that. Yeah. You, you the, uh, everything everywhere all at once is 25 million. And that movie looks like a $250 million. Budget. Yeah. So that was, that was $200 million cheaper than she Hulk. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Yep. It, yes, it is. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of it is graft and I think a lot of it, um, and that's why when people complain about, you know, streaming and what we were just talking about, I think the money is there. I just think it's going into the wrong hands and it's caught and it's, and it's not only, um, negatively impacting the performers, but it's negatively impacting the customers, which is us. But I also think that's true of basically, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but I don't think there's an app on my phone or computer that works the way it's supposed to. Like that doesn't have some sort of like, it's not shitty on some level. And it's like, how is it that literally what feels like every component of our lives has been ruined a little bit by these fucking, these, these execs, like these fucking whatever. And so I think it's just a, it's a symptom 
of capitalism. Uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, I didn't, you know, I know y'all get mad when we get political, um, but it's the world we live in and I fucking hate it. Anyway, I think you can make another season of She-Hulk for less money. I think it's what Roxy and I are getting at 50 million. That sounded good, Roxy. Uh, anyway, and if we're just throwing out, uh, you know, money's made up anyway, so who gives a shit? Now time to get to, uh, we're still industry talk, everybody, sort of, still sort of industry talk. As we talked about, we briefly mentioned at the top of the episode, today we're talking about musicals because last week saw the release of Mean Girls. If you want Roxy and Maya's review of uh, Mean Girls, you can go over to what we're into over on patreon.com slash only stupid answers. The long of the short of it is we both liked it. Um, but what is interesting about it, this and I think Wonka, because I haven't seen Wonka yet, but it had musical numbers is my understanding. Yeah, I did see it. Okay. So um, what is interesting is uh, the fact that Hollywood seems to want to hide. Like they don't want you to know you're going to a musical. They want you to go see Willow Wonka's origin story, or the re- Mean Girls reboot. Oh, surprise. There's songs in it. Um why do you what, How, did, what about the color purple how did they advertise that not one? i did not so you're i'm just learning now in real time is that is that a musical yes okay so why why are they scared of musicals roxy <laughs> some i i forget exactly where it was but some agency released this study it might have been caa or wme probably was one of the two that was like the movies make 30 percent less money if they know if audiences know their musicals and everybody seems to be living by that study. Cool, good. And I don't know that that's not true. I don't know that it is true. No. But there are some people, I mean, like Josh McCuga is the one in this space that I know, who put their foot down and say, I hate musicals, I will not see a musical. Yeah. And I think that's hysterical as a concept because, like, what is a movie that plays music different than a musical when it's just so many genres yeah i mean just so many genres dj like we have rock and roll musicals country music like every genre of music and then dramas comedies romance horror there's every type of musical so it's it's weird to me to like music and to like movies but say you'll never watch a musical yeah to eat their own but there are people like that and the studios clearly believe there's more people like that than i do yeah. And so they try to hide it. But my my question to that is like, so you're trying to trick them yeah. into liking you? Yeah, that's the weird part. So um, looking, this is per variety. It looks like Mean Girls uh, was queen of the box office over the Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, it grossed uh, $28 million over the weekend and $32 million um, through the holiday um and then there's some and it made uh 6.5 million internationally which i uh, i'm happy to hear that it was top of the box office those numbers do seem a little low uh but you know listen it's a new the box office means different things now uh whatever um uh yeah, the tricking them part of it is i'm glad we're still making musicals it, maybe that's the thing maybe it's like if we trick them in there they do like it they will they will like it and go see it but you can't you can't tell them you can't tell them ahead of time because then they'll avoid it. But I heard that there were people that went to go see uh, 
Mean Girls mm-hmm. and then found out it was a musical and then were audibly groaning in the theater. It didn't happen where I, when I was there because I went to a uh, press screening. But yeah. I heard that oftentimes in theaters when the first song would happen, people were like, ugh. If that's true, that's effing hysterical. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I would be more pissed if I was somebody who hated musicals. Yeah. I would be so pissed and annoyed if that's how they got me there. But I guess then they still have my money. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Can I, and I have no data to back this up. This is entirely anecdotal. But I was thinking about this before the episode. I'm going to tell you my theory of why we're not getting more musicals. Because I think I think musicals are great. Um, uh, you just mentioned, you sent me a thing, I guess, the second season of Schmigadoon is the last season, which is a bummer because I like it. DJ, they wrote 24 songs and they have the next season already completely written. Oh, that hurts my heart more. And we're not going to see it. Because that, what I was about to say is I kind of don't know how you keep doing that show. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the legs of that show are, but now it's like, oh, there is a third season written. Mm, I do want to see that season. Mm." Just different genre, right? Like we did different genres for one and two. I was devastated to read that because there are 24 songs that I'm never going to hear that are from the minds of Schmigadoon. Like, is there any chance that it'll pick up someplace else? I don't know. I feel like Netflix would be its best shot, right? Yeah. It's possible. Um, so here's here's my thought. But back to back to the thing. Here here's my and it, there is and there is kind of a resurgence of TV musicals because we got Schmigadoon and then my wife and I uh, it's she's rewatching it. It's my first time watching it. Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is a musical mm-hmm. show and it's great. It's excellent. Yeah. So um, we have those Glee. I'm Glee. trying to think of like what other musical shows. But but here's my I, episode of Riverdale. Yeah. I thought, and everything, you, that's another thing. Genre shows all have, fucking, the new Star Trek show has a musical episode. I don't think it fit into that, but, you know, props to them for trying new things. Um, they did it with the DC shows, with yeah. CW. I yeah. think part of that is we get musical episodes because, you know, those shows are comprised of, like, fucking theater nerds. And so they're like, oh, you want to sing? It's like, of course you do, fucking nerd. <laughs> anyway, no, but here's my, my thought is the reason, um, uh, the reason we're, and I think this loops into the reason we get less rom-coms and stuff like that. I think we live in a time, I think it's a, it's a, a couple things colliding. One is that um, studios, near as I can tell, the people that run the studios are inveterate gamblers. And it's one of those, like, I don't want to spend a million dollars on a movie and have it make five million. I want to spend a billion dollars on, or I want to spend like $500 million on a movie and have it make a billion dollars. It's like, they want to bet big and they want to win big. They don't want those little wins. They want the big wins. And um, that's harder to do um uh with something smaller you know like like a rom like a more human story like a rom like a rom-com or something like a musical also internationally i actually think musicals would do better except you're competing with international markets do make musicals and they do really well in those international markets like uh there's a reason there's a musical number in rrr because uh indian cinema makes musicals they don't need ours. Um, the other thing is, and it's weird how this feels truer now than it would have in the past, because there's a, for me at least, there's this feeling that the past is inherently more conservative, but I don't know in this case it is. You just mentioned the Josh McCougars of the world, and this is not true. We all love Josh. But yes, I do think 
to make the billion dollars, Hollywood wants to make these four quadrant movies. For people that are not familiar with four quadrant, I think it's like it's basically everybody. It's a way to like say our movies for everybody. So it's like male, female, old, and young. Like those are the four quadrants. It's something stupid like that. And with the way things have progressed, when and this is I apologize to everybody. This is gendered and reductive, but I do think this is how Hollywood thinks, less how I perceive things. Women will show up to dude movies, superheroes punching planets. They'll show up for that. Guys are too insecure to show up for female skewing movies. Um, uh, So if something is perceived as female skewing, you're going to, whatever that study you quoted me, you're going to lose 30% of your money. You know what I mean? Um, And again, it doesn't matter. um, uh, Great. Mean Girls did well at the box office. I don't know how that competes to its budget. But I think there there's a lot of execs in this town. Well, it does make it didn't make a billion dollars, so it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Um, and I and I think that might be the reason we get less of these. There's less investment into these things, and and that and that I think perpetuates. You know, we're not asking our audiences to be more open minded, different types of stories, so they're not gonna be. Um, they're not gonna try try different stuff. Um, and that also ties into going to the movies on the weekend is less of a cornerstone of hanging out than it used to be. You know, you might stay home, watch Netflix, you might, whatever, whatever. Um, so I think all those things kind of combine to why we're getting these kind of, uh, less human stories or less spectacle driven stories that, um, that gear towards a more female audience. I hope something like a Barbie might, you know, make people rethink some of those studio heads rethink some of those assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, do, I don't know that it will. That's it's my theory. A, I think you're not wrong, DJ. There's a couple, I have a couple thoughts on what you just said though, that it's like, it's, it's not showing that you're wrong. Maybe it's showing that you're right. But like I come and watch my grandfather. I don't know again, how to say this without sounding like a sexist fuck, but like, is such a dude's dude. Yeah. He is a war vet. He mm-hmm. is like played, you know, track and cross country and basketball and like sports bro dude, watches all the sports, played golf, did all the guy steering, gearing things, whatever. Yeah. And like belts out musicals. Yeah. So like because of that generation, musicals were a huge deal. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. We used yeah. to like Gene Kelly was one of the biggest celebrities right. in the world. So somehow we've become more like, no, I'm a guy and I don't watch girl things. And and that's so weird that we're going backwards in that sense. Yeah. Like to be like, no musicals is so new generation and feels so backwards that like the older generations of dudes are like, yeah, of course, musicals as a genre of movie. Mm hmm. But then our generation and the gen below for guys to be like, well, that's girl shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of bizarre. Uh, but I don't think you're wrong. And then the, the other part about it is like this, it, we continue to prove Hollywood right all the time, which drives me nuts, right? Like with something like a joyride that didn't mm-hmm. do well. And clearly it's got four female leads in it. Yeah. Um, 
we did do something like a Barbie that did well, but like the Marvels didn't do well. Birds of Prey didn't do well. I'm not saying that that's not for other outside reasons, but the Hollywood's able to keep pointing to these examples of like this girl shit doesn't do well, doesn't yeah. do well for us. The only thing that really like wiped the floor with them and, and laughed in their face was Barbie, yeah. which seems like it was the exception to the rule, not the, not the standard. Yeah. We need this is why we have to, or, or even think about, um, Ghostbusters, the, uh, female cast. Yeah. Like it, we have to put our money where our mouth is because otherwise Hollywood continues to say, no, we're right. Mm -hmm. And if we want to see more musicals, we got to go to them in theaters. That means that we, we have to do our due diligence and it shouldn't be on us, but Hollywood only cares about money. Yeah. And so that's how we have to show them what we want. Yeah. And so when there is an all-female cast, if you want to see more of that, we have to go to the theaters. Same thing with musicals. We got to go support them. Yeah. Uh, but it is weird. It's weird, DJ. It's so strange to me that I think you're right that this is women are showing up for the musicals and guys are like, that's girly. And it's yeah. like mu music and movie combined is music solo, not girly. Yeah. Movie solo, not girly. Music and movies in one, girly. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, and it's interesting too because you know you look at something like uh, I think for for most audiences RRR is probably the best um, gateway they might have to international musical cinema, um, and you look at the physicality of those numbers, and I think for me one of the things that attracts me again like for me there's the the Venn diagram of like action movie and musical is actually pretty close because. Um, there's for musical numbers, there's a lot of physicality involved. There's a lot of like choreography. Um, there's a lot of movement. Um, there's a lot of energy. And so like the same endorphins I get from a great action scene, I tend to get from a great musical number. Um, and you know, and that's why something like RRR that has insane action numbers, but also insane musical numbers works and like inherently just kind of works. Um, but on the other hand, um, you look at something like Mean Girls. I don't think there's a single guy in that movie that has a musical. No, there's the friend. He sings. But like most of the musical numbers are, are around one of the female characters. But also like, if, I mean, this is, yeah, you know, like uh, if you're like a dude, like it's easy on the eyes, man. Like, I don't know. Like, what's there to complain about? Um, uh, not, you know, and again, that's like a reductive way to look at it. But again, it's, no, I don't like what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand the, the pushback beyond. And if I were like, I, I think if you were a sociology student, you could write like an essay on this shit. I wonder if there is a sense of, I, I do think it's easy to say, you look at the Andrew Tate's and the Jordan Peterson's of the world and you, you can say there's a, there's, um, a deep insecurity in the Western male. Um, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a question about what maleness, uh, looks like, uh, and, and for people that identify as male, um, that, uh, people, um, uh, what I would say, a vile people like Andrew Tate and, and Jordan Peterson take advantage of, they take advantage of that insecurity. Um, and, um, because we're, I think we're in a place that I think is good where we're kind of questioning, um, the, these, some of these gender norms and what it means to be this, uh, what it means to be a guy. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of guys that somehow has equated to like doubling down on things that have been deemed to be toxic. Um, anyway, th but this is not a sociology essay, so I'm not going to like oh, get into that. Um, but I do think it feeds into the. I, I totally 
think you're right, yeah. DJ. I, I completely think you're right. I think that it it is unfortunate that some people are being parented by the internet. Yeah. You know, like when you're unwell and you're sad and you're hurting and you find somebody like an Andrew Tate who sees you and hears you. Yeah. You just kind of adopt their opinions, which yeah. is like that. This is sissy shit. Yeah. Um, you know, like we're all the real men now. So it senses like that, that are thrown yeah. around. Uh, and you have a whole generations that were raised on. And I think this is, I think this is negative, but they were raised on. You prove your masculinity by fighting in a war. And now you have generations that were raised by those people, but never had to fight in a war. And so like, well, how do I prove that I'm man enough? And we're, and we, Twitter war. yeah. And it's like, and we don't have enough to like, uh, I, 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 and I, I think the internet has done a good job. Um, and I've seen sociologists argue this and I think it's interesting. Uh, the internet has like leftist internet has done a good job of saying like these things that are typically associated as masculine are toxic, but they haven't had done a great job of saying here's positive things that are positive about being masculine. You know what I mean? Here's the things that you can invest in that are positive. Um, and so yeah. Instead, we get like more feeding into the negativity. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but it, I do think it eats away at the diversity. The, the money aspect that you're talking about, that we prove them right. I also think they prove themselves right by how they market things. Like I forgot Joyride was even in theaters. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But how we prove them right. I think it's all these things feeding into like a less diverse media landscape. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a bummer because uh, we think that Mean Girls was really good. It yes. looks like it's doing okay, but I was just looking up like how did In the Heights do? You know, there's a oh, lot. Yeah, that movie was great. That movie was great. Um, it says it made forty five million dollars, but I'm guessing the budget was probably higher than that. But that was also released directly to Max because of pandemic stuff. So who knows? Is that true? That is true. And the Heights was during the because I watched it. I I don't know remember why I missed it in theaters, but I remember watching it on a Max. That's how I saw it. Okay, I yeah. saw it in theaters, but that is interesting. No. Yeah. yeah, there's just there's a lot like when when you think of musicals and you think of the the biggest musicals ever. What musicals come to mind for you, DJ? Uh, for me, Singing in the Rain. Um, that's a go to. Um, you know, adaptations of stage plays. So like Grease, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cats, obviously, you know, there's the, uh, I, when you talk about biggest, that's more biggest on stage than it is in theaters. But, you know, we talked about it a bunch. What about you, Roxy? Well, I think that there's so many categories that my mind goes in a million directions. You know, like at first, what I think of is like the Lion King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, Aladdin and, you know, all mm-hmm. of the Disney uh, when I'm thinking specifically of movies, then I think of the ones that I came up on, like Chicago and Rent and, um, like you said, Grease, which was like a household staple for me, Sound of Music. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm going all different generations. West Side Story. Yeah. Um, Les Mis, which, uh, the uh, like you said, adaptations, Fiddler on the Roof. Um and then there's like the ones that kind of did well with the dudes, which was Rock of Ages, Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of like other of the dude center ones. My favorite indie ones as well. Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, last five years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you think Hairspray. Uh, 
Dream Girls. Yeah. It's just like so many immediately. At Stars Born, all, every single version of it. Um, so many, so many. Like I, my brain gets flooded. It's almost the easiest category for me to think of. Yeah. If, if you said to me, like, name comedies, I feel like I would be struggling more than naming musicals that landed. Uh, even like um, La La Land. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked La La. I know it gets a lot of shit. I haven't I seen it. it I haven't seen it since it hit theaters, but I remember enjoying it. I, I would like even say too. something that always makes me, you know, I would even label something like Baby Driver um, has yeah. the spirit of a musical, even though it's not technically a musical. Mm. Um, Mamma Mia. But music is such a huge part of a movie. Like, uh, like um, I'm thinking right now of the Zach Braff movies, right? Like, this, yeah. His soundtracks are so effing important. Mm -hmm. It's like if you can get on board with a movie that soundtrack matters so much, like Drive yeah. or whatever. Like, how can you not get on board with it when the songs matter? Yeah. So we got a couple questions here from the Discord. I was actually surprised at the response to this, y'all. Thanks for showing up. Um, uh, Stasek Geta asks, in honor of Mean Girls, which non-musical movie do you think would translate best to a musical format? Oh, whoa, that is such a wild question. DJ, you have to take that first so I can actually think about it. Now, what non-musical movie do you think would translate best to a musical format? You know what I would like? I was just thinking this whole time. Um, it made me think about conversations around animation and how the Western view of what an animated movie is is so limited. It's typically either a kid's movie or something with, even if it's an adult, like a Simpsons or whatever, the sense of humor is kind of, I would say, child. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take itself seriously. And um, in like places like Japan, obviously, animation has a, you could tell any type of story in that. So I was like, what if you could do like a crime musical and then you were just talking about how like the soundtracks matter i'm like the soundtracks and quentin tarantino movies matter so let's do pulp fiction the musical let's do it everybody that's really really good and glorious bastards we love musicals set in world war ii let's do glorious bastards the musical <laughs> that's really good i love that um i just found a list on buzzfeed that is just 23 movies and TV shows we need to see as broadway musicals and the first one on here is hocus pocus that would lend oh, itself yes I mean, just like truly perfectly. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. It's like that already is it a is, musical. It is a musical. It's yes. Straight up a, a musical. Uh, is that on their list? Yeah. It is one. <laughs> I guess yeah, maybe it's yeah. not on stage. I would watch a stage. They also put Coco on there, which is it's straight a up a musical, musical. as well. <laughs> um, they put The Princess Bride, which I think would be really interesting. Yeah, agreed. That's a really fun one as well. When I, when Before I looked at this list initially, I'm just like, okay, well, what movies do I love? And I was like, it would be fun. My favorite movie of all time, Good Will Hunting. It would be fun to have like a deep Boston musical. Mm -hmm. um, where you, that I think that that would be like an absolute blast to hear. I also think depending on who did it, it could as, as a Bostonian yourself, it could offend you very quickly. It could be yeah, like, come probably, on, guys, come on. <laughs> when we talk about Ted, though, we'll get into it. Okay. All right. Stay tuned for what we're into, everybody. I haven't mentioned Little Shop of Horrors, which is another one that we watched all <laughs> the effing time growing up. Yeah. Did you see Little Shop? I haven't yet, which is a bummer. Mm. It's like a blind. I've, I've always meant to see it. That night, I haven't watched Rocky Horror. Those oh, are ones wow. that I've yeah, intended yeah. to like. Every you Halloween, I'm like, I need to watch it, and I'd never get around to it. 
we went to theater. We went to like Boston into the Boston to see all the local productions of everything yeah. um, growing up that we could, which was really lucky because we had great plays. And I went to New York like four times to see different shows when I was a kid, yeah, uh, like a teenager. Um, Hamilton obviously being one of the biggest now ever. Yeah. Kayla Marie says they are making Princess Bride a musical, and that's great. Good that's awesome. For them. That's really good. Yeah. I feel like Hocus Pocus would be effing perfect. Totally agreed. And then I just, you made me think that I know there's a Beetlejuice music. I think it's a musical, the stage play. Mm-hmm. We should do a Back to the Future one. And I, and I know um, for a minute there was a Evil Dead musical that was in Vegas that I meant to go see, and then I, I didn't. And that bums me. That's out. interesting. On this list of things that should be made into a musical, they put The Walking Dead. And I was like, oh, huh. oh that's a weird one. Um, uh, okay, in the Discord, Jake Hefner asks, are there any Broadway musicals that you think could be adapted for film? So this is the opposite. These are already Broadway musicals that could be adapted in a film and actually be good. Or do you think they'd all end up like Cats did? I'm personally cautiously optimistic with Wicked coming out. I think that Wicked's going to be really good. Um, I think that it's so unfortunate that Cats is the one that comes to mind because <laughs> think about the ones I started by naming, Rent, yeah. Chicago. You know, there are so many... Uh, so many ones that they did just such a great job with Les Mis. Like there, there are plenty. Um, let's think. I mean, there hasn't been, uh, they could do Hamilton, you know, they'd have Hamilton, the movie. We're going to get a Hamilton eventually. I feel like. Yeah. I think that they could do a really good job with it too. Mm. I also, I'm surprised we haven't gotten a book of Mormon. Cause that's mm-hmm. real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Hmm. Did, did they do Spring Awakening, the movie? They haven't, right? I feel like I've heard of it, so I want to say yes. Let me look. I don't I'm, I'll look it up. It. You keep thinking. Spring, Spring Awakening, Awakening. Uh, is an unbelievable musical. Really, really beautiful. And I think that they would do, that would be an excellent adaptation into a movie but very very dark it's difficult to watch sometimes so cool fine yeah yeah you're, fine. you're welcome Ooh, but fine. i don't think they ever made it into a movie otherwise i think i would know do you remember who duncan chic is no dj because i am barely breathing and i can't find the air sure. no you don't very, okay. you know it's in there somewhere uh that is a song that anyway duncan cheeks the composer of the entire spring awakening musical it's very like edgy rock musical um about like coming of age stuff gotcha uh, uh, i doesn't i don't i don't see one on the horizon but i feel like i hear about it a lot so it feels like at some point we might get one in the discord and you got to answer this quick roxy we're running tight on time so off the top of your head what do you think is the best modern and classic movie musical go modern and classic so yeah you're picking two Oh, I was like, so ah. you're two. What's 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 a good modern one? Best modern one, best classic one. Movie musical. Yeah, um, you pick first. Singing in the rain, and uh, in the heights. Singing in the rain, I feel confident about. Singing in the rain is so uh, um, uh, essential that that movie Bad- Babylon, the Damien Chazelle made, uh-huh. is basically a, a, a not so subtle remake of Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I guess just my my favorites would be. Greece and Chicago. 
but yeah. I don't know that I would say best. Kayla Marie has the answer with Legally Blonde the musical. Mm-hmm. It is Legally Blonde the musical. I watched. It's so effing good. I need that to be made into a movie. They, I, I watched MTV screened it kind of the way that Hamilton does. Yeah. With now they did it years ago, and I watched it. It was only on once. It was like unreal. So good. So good. Find it. Um, uh, Hema asks what. Marvel or DC character could pull a mu- pull off a music movie musical. Harley Quinn. That's a good choice. You got to pick a Marvel one too. Do you think we'll get more movie musicals adapted from Broadway or more original musicals about Broadway counterpart? Also, I love musicals and original cast recordings. So usually, I'm a li- uh, little on the fence on movie adaptations. Yeah, let's focus on what Marvel or DC character Deadpool. could pull off. So Harley Quinn and Deadpool. <laughs> I picked this. I mean, they're not the same character. But yeah. You get what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Yes. We almost got a Spider-Man. We got a Spider-Man musical for a minute and then it, it hurt so many people that it literally hurt so many people. They had to stop. Um, I'm going to pick different ones. I think all of them, because truthfully, and that's the, that's the part that's so silly about if you, if you will go see a superhero movie, but refuse to go see a musical, that's silly because, yeah. because. Yeah, because it's they're just, there's nothing less grounded about a musical compared to a superhero movie. So literally every superhero, you could make a Batman musical, and and I know we're in an age now where like Batman is viewed as so dark and brooding. One, there's dark and Bo- Sweeney Todd is a musical. Uh, dark and brooding musicals exist, but also the Batman concept is so adaptable. It works in so many different. The campy '60s show, uh, the dark stuff of the Dark Knight and Batman. It all works. Batman could be easy musical, but I mean, literally, Superman, Spider-Man, any superheroes are so inherent, ri- inherently ridiculous. Sorry, everybody. Uh, they are. Uh, I love them, but they're. It's just, an, it's just that's the point. They're so heightened. It, not. I don't think there's a single one that wouldn't work in a musical. Yeah, format. I hear you. Kayla Marie is reminding us that we're getting Joker musical. So that. I am less excited. If I'm going to be candid, I'm less excited about that. <laughs> well, but we'll just see what the the nerds who hate musicals do. Say with about that. that. I mean, me. listen, Lady Gaga's in it, and she got some pipes. But I I remember um, having revisited the Joker. It didn't hold up great on the rewatch. Uh, so I'm not as stoked for the next Joker movie. But at least they're doing something weird with it. So. Uh, you can't. Roxy, Kayla Marie just said what Roxy said. What if it converts the men DJ? Uh, create an Edge Lord musical. Nothing awful could come out of that. Roxy, DJ, where can the kids find find what you're doing? What should they be looking out for from you? You find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer and go to gunplaymovie.com. Please and thank Please. you. We need you. We need you. Uh, a launch announcement coming soon. Uh, you're gonna love it if you're a fan. If you're a fan of movies like Good Time or The Big Lebowski or Pulp Fiction or any of those types of movies, you're gonna love Gunplay. Got a lot of great people in it, including Roxy Stryer and Steve Zaragoza and Bree Estrig and Whitney Moore. So please go to gunplaymovie.com. Uh, you can find me and DJ Talks Trash. You can find the show everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers, but on Twitter slash X. We ain't got the vowels from stupid. And we will see you all next time. Hell yeah.